Hello, my name is Ben Lindsay, CEO and founder of Power the Fight, and welcome to Power Talk. Talks that empower you to impact youth violence in your context. Power Talks are short, powerful interviews from leading youth violence experts, spreading new ideas and sharing best practice. Today we have Whitney Isles, founder and CEO of Project 507, a trauma-informed organisation. Whitney, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's really good to have you at Power Talks. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you do and the organisation that you run and you work for? Well, I work for? Uh, well, my name is Whitney. I have just over 16 years' experience now working with young people in the community. Um, worked with ages from about eight up until 30. Seven years ago, started working within the criminal justice system, working in the prison estates. And due to the work that we were doing in the prison estates, established a company called Project 507, which turned six officially mm. last month. Project 507 focuses on in violence reduction. But when we say violence reduction, we're not just looking at violence, direct violence between two people. We also look at cultural violence, structural violence, systemic violence, and kind of everything that may generate the physical violence. So as much as we do the on-the-ground work with the young people in prisons or the young people in the community or, or practitioners who work with those young people, we also do the work within kind of government and research to look at what are some of the, the causes of violence and how we can kind of change things right at the root. Mm. So in a nutshell, that's what Project 507 is. Okay. And from my understanding, there's a specific focus on kind of trauma. Do you want to just explain a little bit about that and how that impacts youth violence? And Yeah, so trauma is a very interesting thing. Um, it's extremely complex. So anyone that tries to explain trauma in a kind of very simple way, yeah. <laughs> be scared. Uh, I became very interested in, in trauma, um, I'd say about seven, eight years ago. Um, it was always a kind of underlying of my practice, but I didn't know, I didn't have the language around it. And then I ended up starting to go to school and, and training at places like the Tavistock and Portman Centre um, to learn more about trauma. And trauma is just so complex. And to break it down in the best way that I know is we all have a kind of protective shield around us that, that our mind makes. Because if we were to take on every single uh, sound, smell, feeling, everything that goes on that comes into our brain. Our brain has to kind of put this armour around us so we don't feel it all. And trauma is anything that can kind of pierce through that, that armour. And it affects everyone in a different way and it can affect you straight away, months down the line. So with Project 507, we like to incorporate trauma into our thinking. So we think about what the young people that we're working with or the organisations that we're working with are trying to communicate to us within the kind of symbols of violence or behaviour or kind of behind the worded. So we're always looking at, you know, what are the meaning of things and does trauma play into this? You know, has a young person experienced something that has, you know, pierced their armour at some point during their life, whether that's in childhood, whether that's, um, you know, adolescence, and what we're seeing more and more of that is, yes, a lot of our young people are traumatised. They've been through kind of developmental trauma, complex trauma, post-traumatic stress. Uh, for example, 
a good one would be, I was working with a young man quite a few years ago and we were in the prison system and whenever there was a fight that involved one of his friends, he would be the first one that would run and get involved in the fight. And I was, you know, sat down, to him, sat down with him one day after quite a major incident and I said, well, why did you feel like you needed to get involved? Because this wasn't even directly to do with you. And a lot of times people see guys like that and think, oh, like, they're just re reckless and irrational. And when we were talking, he was saying how, oh, he had to get involved. He had to help his friend. And there was such kind of emphasis on the, his need to help others that we had to kind of, cha kind of trace that back into, you know, when was other times that you felt like that? And we did all the kind of work around his adolescence or his teenagehood and when other friends have been in fights and he's been wanting to try and help them and save them. But actually what we were able to trace it back to, it was when he was younger and his mum, who was using different drugs, was actually walking down the street one day and one of the dealers that she owed money to came up to her and knocked her out. And he was only four. So he had been in a situation where he was completely powerless to help his mother. So whenever anything kind of re-triggered those emotions, he would then fight and he would then experience those, those uh, emotions so intensely because with trauma, the memory doesn't fade. The memory is always at that same intensity as when it kind of first happened in those kind of incidents. Mm. So any time that he was getting those feelings of being helpless back, boom, he was violent. So being able to understand that as a practitioner and allow him as a, a young man to understand, you know, what his power is in that situation, then enabled him to understand what he was feeling and when he was feeling it and make conscious decisions around his behaviour. So when we're speaking about youth violence and bringing trauma into the equation, it's about empowering these young men and these young women to understand the emotions, especially the intense emotions that are coming up that may then lead to violence or other self-destructive behaviour. <clears throat> it sounds like, I mean, that's an, it's really an important aspect of why some young people get involved in this this issue of youth violence. And it sounds like when it comes to trauma, it can be easily ignored. Yeah. Um, so are you basically advocating that this kind of trauma-informed approach is something which anyone working with young people, anyone working with families should at least be thinking about and engaging with? Is that, is that something which you would be saying, you know, needs to happen if you are a practitioner? My approach to being a practitioner is your journey never ends. So you, are, you should constantly be on a path of new knowledge. And trauma is something that is so complex. You can't just go on a one-day training or a, a year training and really understand it. It's, it's an ongoing journey. Mm. So for that, I've, I feel like any practitioner needs to be on that ongoing journey. And trauma is a big thing to learn. And also, the trauma you hold within yourself. Mm. Because too many times we see people that are doing this work, that are doing this work due to the fact that they haven't healed their own trauma. And they are playing out their own trauma into the work. And actually, that can be quite dangerous. Mm. So the trauma and understanding trauma goes hand in hand with understanding your own trauma and healing yourself. And for that, that is why I say what I believe, that everyone should be on this path to understanding trauma and understanding their own trauma and their own healing. Yeah. And in your experience, uh, I can imagine there's a lot of people watching this. I mean, our whole idea of why we're doing these kind of talks is just to kind of give anybody who may become front-facing with young people or families impacted by 
youth violence, uh, a little bit of grounding and an idea of, of some of the factors which cause this. I mean, trauma isn't necessarily the type of language which you're hearing in the press when you see kind of these headlines of uh, young people engaged with youth violence. No one's kind of thinking of all these murder stats. The headlines don't really talk about trauma. So are we saying that there's more young people or most young people engaged in this are going through have gone through some type of trauma, or is this maybe for a specific type of young person? I'm just trying to get an idea of, is the trauma thing really that big of a deal? Don't young people just make decisions and it may have nothing to do with what's gone in in the past? Or in your experience, actually most of the young people we're engaging with have had some type of tra traumatic event in their life which has caused them to act out. There is no easy answer to that. <laughs> I'm sure there isn't, yeah. What? From my experience, what I've tend to see is that there's different kind of groupings of, of young people that are involved in serious youth violence. Mm. Um, at the extreme end, we have those young people that are suffering from schizophrenia, um, from psychosis, which some kind of clinicians, some therapists will argue that that is rooted in trauma anyway. Yeah. Um, so we have the kind of real extreme mental health needs. Then we do have those young people that are involved in, from my experience, the young men that have been involved in the more kind of organized street gangs, and I hate that term, tend to have a lot of trauma that they're sitting on. And that can be because they've experienced the, the shootings and the stabbings, they've experienced the loss, but also a, a lot of the time we've um, experienced with these young people that there's trauma in childhood. And one of the things that a lot of people don't speak about is sexual abuse of young men and sexual abuse of boys and how that this is never spoken about and these emotions are just built on and built on and built on over time and that can then generate into, you know, very serious violence. Domestic violence is a huge one. You know, a lot of our young men that are in the criminal justice system are coming from homes where there's domestic violence. The care system. You know, a lot of our young people in, in the criminal justice system yeah. have been through care. A disproportionate amount of our young people that have been in the criminal justice system have been in care. And to go into care, you know that there's probably some kind of trauma there. So there are a lot of young people that have experienced trauma that are now involved in our criminal justice system and in youth violence. And there are some other young people that might seem, you know, well, why are they even involved? They look like a good student and, you know... But the reality is the, the human mind and the human psyche is so fluid and flexible and so sensitive that you can never really put on a one-size-fits-all model for why anyone is involved in anything. Why do any of us do what we do? Mm. And sometimes, it's, sometimes the holding a knife can be in a reenactment. Sometimes it can be a case of one person has held a knife one time and felt so overwhelmed by those emotions, mm. the only way to master the emotions from holding a knife one time is to hold a knife again. And a lot of people might not get that. But, you know, there's a lot of models within the, the psychotherapy world that would actually put a lot of evidence behind that. Maybe not with the knife situation, but maybe in other senses of, of violence. You know, you look at the James Gilligan's kind of... Um, who does a lot of work around shame and violence in the States. You know, there's a lot of literature out there already looking at why people um, commit acts of violence, whether that's from a trauma perspective, whether that's from a shame perspective, it's very complex. But what we need more of is how we develop that literature to represent the young people that we're working with. And in regards of the media, and when we say that we don't see trauma in the media, actually, 
if you're looking correctly, you do see a lot of trauma in the media because actually the reactions of the general public are reactions to trauma. Right. And the media and how the media reacts to that is the kind of group dynamic, the group psyche of, of society responding to that trauma because trauma is so overwhelming that you almost expect someone to kind of have those overwhelming reactions to it. So when I read a lot of these newspapers, I'm like, well, this is just society's reaction to trauma because society within a whole is, you know, traumatised. So understanding trauma, how can understanding trauma, understanding this therapeutic approach actually help reduce youth violence? So what we do in Project 507, um, we give a lot of our staff the training and clinical supervision. Clinical supervision is about creating a space for the practitioners to be able to speak about the work but also speak about their experience of the work mm. and go through their journey. By doing this, we allow our workers to contain any emotions that are thrown at them. That's a therapeutic process. You know, it's our job to contain these young people's emotions. So, and it's our job to think about what's being communicated through these emotions and through these, uh, the, the language of violence, for example. Um, the, the kind of, the how I see the trauma-informed approach and understanding trauma is to be able to make more practitioners, whether that is the ones that within the serious youth violence sector, whatever that is, whether that's the, the faith groups, whether that's the youth workers, whether that's the police, is helping those individuals create uh, an internal space to contain the emotions that are being thrown. Because when we're dealing with such severe acts of violence, it has effects on us as other human beings. It has effects on us as other human beings. And we need to learn how to manage those emotions and think about those emotions and hand them back in, in an adequate manner rather than just being completely reactive and working in a state of crisis. So this is all about allowing the practitioners to have the emotional capacity in a, to, to deal with the extreme emotions that come around trauma. Which is a massive point, actually. I mean, as a, as a pastor, um, I deal with literally hundreds of issues. Mm. Um, and one of the things which I wanted to incorporate when I became a pastor four or five years ago was clinical supervision for mm. other pastors in our church, which is a pretty much a new thing in a church context. But coming from a, uh, the criminal justice kind of field, it's something which we see quite a lot. Um, and I think you're absolutely right. Uh, it's a phrase which someone we both know would say, who heals the healers and who pastors the pastors and who counsels the counsellors. Where have you seen this kind of really work well? What, how, is there any examples you can give where you can say there's people who are practitioners <clears throat> who've taken on this trauma-informed approach and suddenly their, their work, their practice has improved and got better. I don't know if there's any examples that you could... <clears throat> I'm not quite sure of external examples, mm. mainly because I'm so focused on yeah, my team sure. and what we're doing. But I, I know when I deliver the training with either my team or other practitioners mm. that come to us for training, and what we see is huge growth. Yeah. And the growth is, you know, you start to see better boundaries being put in place. Yeah. Because there's this, there's this myth in the work that we do that we have to be on call all the time. And that you'll see, you know, yeah. especially our younger practitioners yeah. being in the police station at like two, three in the morning yeah. and taking on all the baggage of those young people. And part of the process of becoming more trauma-informed and becoming more kind of therapeutic and understanding 
this work at its core is putting those boundaries in place, is being able to switch off, is being able to create the difference between your young people's lives and your lives. But also, within this sector, a lot of us come from the same communities as our young people. Yeah. And a lot of us are dealing with exactly the same issues as our young people. So it's also about creating the space to actually deal with the stuff that we go through personally and not have it leak out into our professions. And when I see people really start to take the training seriously and go on long-term training, so I mean go on a year, mm. two years, three years, you know, some of the students that I had two, three years ago and they're now doing their masters in psychotherapy and counseling mm. and well-being and all these kind of things. Actually, when I look at them as kind of fully functioning adults now, yeah. I can actually say, okay, you're functioning. Yes. You know, you're not living a dysfunctional kind of unbalanced life. You're not in the police stations at all time of the, the nights, even though that some of these kids actually have parents that can go pick them up, you know? Yeah. You're not in their, in their cribs all the time. You're not purposely, like, getting involved. And that's not to say that there was anything kind of too wrong with it, but actually, if we're looking at longevity in this work, yeah. we have to look at how we take care of our practitioners and not have them burning out at 25, at 30, at 35, because a lot of the problem is that we don't have enough elders. Yeah, I'm going to come back to that point, um, actually, because, yeah, the whole kind of intergenerational yeah. conversation. Before we go there, though, just, you're going to be doing some training for Power to Fight around what you've just been talking about. Why should faith groups, community groups, the average punter on the street think about coming to this type of training where this trauma-informed approach will be taught? What, what benefits do you think community groups, faith groups, churches, mosques, temples would, would gain? I always say be wary of people before you, they come on training, because training is hard. And this kind of training is hard work. This is not for the weak at heart. So if you're weak at heart, <laughs> yeah. it's probably best you don't come to my training. Because the work that we do is it's really about processing and it's really about understanding self. It's really about understanding how your mind works, how, you know, how your emotions work, how you react to things, understanding the difference between your mind and your brain. Mm. You know, what's coming from your mind, what's coming from your brain, what's coming from your heart. And, you know, when we do work with people, I very much say this is about collecting as much knowledge as possible, but then using that knowledge and putting that knowledge in practice. And a lot of times people will just gain the knowledge and not really put it in practice. When you come and train with me, we will make sure that you learn how to put that into practice. But you have to be ready to do the work on self because you can't be doing work on other people if you have not already started the work on self. So it's a lot about re-engine... Imagining and re-engineering your, your way and how you look at and that's yourself hard work. And, and the people you're engaging with. And, and a lot of the times, a lot of stuff comes up. Sure. You know, that's part of the process. That's mm. why when you go to really study mm. things like uh, psychotherapy, mm. you have to be in therapy as well. Yeah. You know, you have to be getting the, the, the safe space to do the work in yourself. Now, yeah. our training won't go that deep. It will be a very kind of light introduction to this. But this is for people that are curious. This is for people that want to learn more. This yeah. is for people that want to help and really help from a, on an authentic place yeah. rather than just a surface level, you yeah, know, because we need to start looking at the root causes. And, and that's the important thing, isn't it? Because if we are going to impact the youth violence issue, mm -hmm. we're going to have to understand get into the kind of the root causes of what's going on. Um, we're going to have to, as we said, reimagine and re-engineer how we approach things. Uh, but we also need to understand violence. 
you know. Yes. And violence isn't just youth violence. There is not just this thing that's youth violence yeah. that's completely alone. Mm. To understand youth violence, we have to understand the whole spectrum of violence, yeah. which is difficult. Yeah. No, no, it's true. It's not. Well, you know, this is not for the, the no, weaker heart. But it's necessary because my whole thing is that um, this is the whole thing about power to fight. It's empowering communities to end youth violence where we don't just focus on statutory organisations, the police and the councils and all. Like, actually, let's empower the average person, um, some organisations who you wouldn't necessarily think can make a difference. And I think the trauma informed approach is one of the things which I think more people need to be engaged with. Uh, I suppose one of the final questions, I said I was going to come back to it, is about kind of this intergenerational kind of approach. So, you know, one of the things I realise is that I'm of a generation where uh, it's actually quite hard to find people who are maybe 10, 5, 10 years older who I can go to and be like, OK, how did you really kind of uh, deal with some of the same issues which I'm dealing with. I find myself, even though I'm a young guy at 40 years old, I find myself uh, being the father of, the, com of mm -hmm. the community, which I think is kind of ridiculous when you think, I'm only 40, but then I'm fathering people who are younger, um, as a past and fathering people who are older. Um, what's your view, and how can we get better at, at that intergenerational kind of in engagement, and what are the benefits from that, from your perspective? From my perspective and my experience, this is about healing. Yeah. Um, we've had too many of the youth workers that come before us that are doing the work because it's their own healing, you know, they're, or, or they're escaped from their healing. So everything is about the trauma and reactment. I've been through this, I've done this, and this is why we see so many people like going to the schools and telling their stories and thinking that's helping and healing someone. You know, a lot yeah. of the evidence shows that doing these kind of school workshops isn't making I'm any kind of difference. I used to be in a gang, uh, I used to yeah, do this. And actually, and, yeah, you know, yeah. where's the healing in that for that individual? You know, we're, we're all equal members of society. We sure. all deserve our own healing. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen too many of my peers, I've seen too many people older than me that have come into this work. They're doing the work for all the kind of wrong reasons. And that's not just in the serious youth violence sector. That's like kind of across the board. Sure. And, you know, you get to a stage where you're just exhausted. You're just worn out. You have nothing left to give because you haven't been giving yourself anything for the last 15, 20 years. Yeah. And I think we need to get into the, the kind of reprogramming of it's okay to have a life outside of this work. It's okay to have a work-life balance. It's okay to look after yourself. It's okay to be making money and actually eating and paying rent and, you know, being able yeah. to go on holidays yeah. and not making people feel guilty for that. So yeah. I think that, you know, it's our time now to start you know, as we grow up in this field, then we become the elders. Yeah. So then our kind of the, you know, I'm, I'm always saying to the younger ones now, so like the kind of 18 to 25 year olds, go and have some fun. Yeah. Like make sure you go have fun at the weekend, go on holiday. Yeah. Don't feel like you need to do this work yeah. because your friend was shot and killed. Yeah. You know, you're not doing that person any kind of justice by then working yourself into a midlife crisis by the time you're 27. Yeah. Uh, it's about really reiterating the, 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 the having those safe spaces yeah. to grow as individuals and not grow through the work, yeah. grow for the work. That's, I think that's an amazing point and I think it's something which unfortunately I've seen in, in the last, when I'm working in this field for over, over 15, 16 years and <clears throat> you always kind of get this cycle of people who are okay for five or six years and then burn out. And therefore what you're saying I think is really important 
or death. You know, uh, I mean, my, know. the the youth Definitely. workers, the uh, the youth worker that brought yeah. me into this work, yeah, has passed away. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, that would be my experience as well. I've seen that, and it's a shame. And I call it it's what I call um, kind of su Superman syndrome. Yeah. Like we 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 think that we can do it all, mm. and I and I and I've um, I've seen too many people think they are, and I think actually. Definitely as a black person, as a black man, um, I think sometimes there's pressure on ethnic minorities to feel they always have to give back. So I'm not against that, and I think there is stuff in there where we should be talking about that. But I think it's almost like it's burden, yeah. where it's like, okay, no, I've done all right for myself. I can see the pain of my community. I'm going to go. And I think the whole thing about Power to Fight is like, no one person can solve this issue. Yeah. We need to bring different people together. Um, honestly, Whitney, I could talk to you all day and all evening, and I think we probably need to do a part two, because I know there's <laughs> many. You're, you're, you're a huge book lover, as I am. Uh, you. You read lots. Um, there's other interests, as you rightfully said, outside of this work. But I think it's all connected. So mm -hmm. it'd be great to do this again mm -hmm. and talk about some other stuff. But thank you for your time. Thank you. Um, and uh, it's great that you're going to be doing some workshops with us mm -hmm. uh, around this, this, some of the things you've spoken about. So, um, yeah, I look forward to that. But thank you. Thank you.